Sri Aurobindo always lifts us up. Even in the darkest cantos where he has to go through all these worlds of falsehood and darkness and evil, there are two or three lines which will suddenly lift us up to the highest. So in destruction he felt yes. creation's hasty pace. Death as a cellar in the house of life. Yes. And hell, and there is one more line. Ah, loss as a prize for the celestial gain, gain. and hell as a shortcut to heaven's gates. That's what we read, digging a tunnel through emergency. Yeah, we are born from the spirit's son of hidden powers digging a tunnel through emergency. So all darkness is a passage to bring out the best in us. <clears throat> he has this beautiful passage also about darkness, which I love to quote. <clears throat> Our sense, by its incapacity, has invented darkness. In truth, there is only light. Only it is a light either above or below our poor human vision's limited range. Do not think that light comes from the suns. It is only a reflection of that which is forever. And then he goes on to say, God is everywhere. And where God is, there is light. Oh, so beautiful. So, we can start with a question or something. So, this thing that both Mother and Shrobindon have said about uh, some, uh, some change in the individual, which individual makes out of effort, uh, helps all of humanity. Is this something that was it's part of the new knowledge that Mother and Shrivendra have brought, or was this also there before? Then? Ah, very interesting question. Good question. Very interesting question. It is there in the Vedas. Yes, in the Vedas, it, the secret is there, and Shrivendra speaks about it. So the Vedic Rishi is very representative type. They already knew this, and that is how they tried to bring about the collective change. But it has not been developed with all the force and the fullness as Shrubindra and the mother have developed it. This representative nature of each one of us, because ultimately nature is one and universal. We divide it, my nature, your nature. Now there again, there are certain patterns on which natures are built. The secret of it, it is with mother nature herself. So when you touch one point of the pattern, you will touch similar corresponding point everywhere else in the universe. But this process actually starts consciously only when one begins to enter into the cosmic consciousness. Before that, also it is done, but it's unconsciously. The Vedic Rishis had the knowledge of the supermind. But Mother and Sri Aurobindo made the decision not to have it for themselves, but for the collective, for the world. And that's why they had to go through this. They could have had it, both of them, instantaneously. That is the divine holocaust, divine sacrifice. Proceed with some questions. Home has become an universal sadhana. We have my son's, uh, San Francisco's neighbor, daughter, three-year-old, is chanting Om, American girl. Because the yoga class is learning this uh, Sanskrit chanting, it starts with Om. The whole Upanishad dedicated to it. Yes. Dedicated to Om. Mundak or Manduki? Just Manduka and also uh, dedicated to Om. Yeah. 
Sri Aurobindo's translation of this, I'm writing a book on Om now, and Sri Aurobindo's translations are, are just wonderful. Uh, it's also, it's not only Manduka, it's... Uh, yeah, but there it is developed. But there, there it's developed the most, yes. So this is the Mandukya Upanishad. Mm. So it starts with the whole peace chant, which a lot of people do it in Indian uh, customs. That famous one, Om Bhadram Karnebhi Shanyam Deva Bhadram Pashyamaksh Vijjatra. So this whole thing, Swastina Indro, Vradhra Shavaha, Swastina Pusha, Vishwavedaha, Swastina Staksharyo, Arishtanemihi, Swastino Vrahaspatir Dhadatu, Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. The Om peace invocation is done. And you know its translation is very beautiful. Om, may we hear what is auspicious with our ears. Such a practical steps to yoga. O ye gods, may we see what is auspicious with our eyes. Which means see the beautiful, hear the beautiful, the true, the good. Don't pay attention to other things. Don't let it. In fact, in one of the stories, it says that evil came and pierced his ears and he could no more hear the truth. It came and pierced his eyes and he could no more see the truth. Ordained veil unto us, Indra of high-heaped glories. Ordained veil unto us, Pushan, the all-knowing sun. Ordained veil unto us, Arishtanemi, Brahaspati, ordained wheel unto us, Om, peace, peace, peace. Then starts the exposition of Om. Mm. Om. Om is the is this? this imperishable word. Om is the universe. And this is the exposition of Om. The past, the present and the future. All that was, all that is. All that will be is Om. Likewise, all else that may exist beyond the bounds of time, that too is Om. So now you know this is the first sutra. How in the Upanishadic age disciples were taught, they were given this sutra to meditate and reflect upon. So they will meditate and they will then be left free. So it would need days and weeks. So they would meditate upon it, go deeper and deeper and then they would come back each one to this master. Master, I have understood it. Master, I have realized it. So the disciple in his own way, uh, the guru in his own way will test him. How he has understood how much. If not, they will be sent back to reflect. So this was one process used because, as I put it, the mother was not there to give it to us. <laughs> this is my <laughs> interpretation, but that was the Vedantic way. Then... Next would be, all this universe is the eternal Brahman. Now you see, this method Shurabindo has also used, but you know, we are in thoughts and aphorism. And mother explains this, she says, Shurabindo used the thoughts and aphorism, he wrote them when he was transiting from the intuitive mind into the super mind. The mother's words. So what he did was, through the thoughts and aphorisms, he shocks the human mind. And suddenly it's like, ah, what is this? Like, you know, when we read, all this is Om, what does it mean? Instantly. So the human mind undergoes a shock. And under that shock, after that initial contraction, what is it? It expands, 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 goes deeper and deeper as the query develops inside. So thoughts and aphorisms are like that. In a... This is also aphoristic style. They, yeah, they are revelations, but revelations which are given in a way which are very difficult for human mind to comprehend. For instance, human mind lives in the divisions of time. Shabindra is saying, Om is the, uh, Manduk Upanishad is saying, Om is the past, the present and the future. All that is and all that is yet to be is Om. Now, the moment the human mind starts contemplating it, it begins to enter into a breath and Slowly, if it continues the process, it will go further into this journey. These are meditations actually. Then the next is, All this universe is the eternal Brahman. 
This self is the eternal and the self is fourfold. So first everything is Brahman. So it is again too vast a truth and human mind cannot comprehend it. It is likely to misunderstand it. So we are told that the self is fourfold, Chatushpad Brahman. So what are those four states? First, he whose place is the wakefulness, who is wise of the outward, who has seven limbs, to whom there are nineteen doors, who feeleth and enjoyeth gross objects, Vaishwanar, the universal male, he is the first. So we see that our outer self, the seven limbs and the nineteen doors through which the, the whole consciousness is going out and touching, holding objects and getting lost into it. It's enjoying the gross outward. So that is the first part. So if we remain stuck with that, then we don't go further. Then we have discovered only one aspect of the eternal reality. So we have to go on to the next step. Next step is, this is the same thing given in story of Virochana and Indra. He whose place is the dream, who is wise of the inward, who has seven limbs, to whom are nineteen doors, who feeleth and enjoyeth subtle objects, Taijasa, the inhabitant in luminous mind, he is the second. So next we discover that what really enjoys. Not these senses, we say, ah, how tasty it is. But imagine if the mind is not functioning. Not only we may not find it tasty, even the taste can be altered. So, sweet things may taste bitter as happens in certain conditions because it's not the senses but the mind that enjoys. Then, subtle things, it's not only the gross taste but things of a subtle nature. Human mind imagines, ah, such a nice thing and begins to enjoy it. So, there is a state in the, he calls it the dream world, the Upanishads call it the dream world. It's a purely a world which is subtle, which is a world which exists in our subjective space as well as in a subtle objective space. So this is the second one. When one sleepeth and yearneth not with any desire, nor seeth any dream, that is the perfect slumber. He whose place is the perfect slumber, who is become oneness, who is wisdom gathered into itself, who is made of mere delight, who enjoyeth delight unrelated, to whom conscious mind is the door, Pragya, the lord of wisdom, he is the third. So third is Susupti. So Jagrat, Swapna and Susupti is the deep slumber. Why it is a slumber? Because we are unconscious in that state. We cannot remain awake, awake in that state. It is such a uh, space of luminous delight that the moment consciousness enters there, it sleeps. That's why when we read Life Divine, we sleep. And it's a perfect way to sleep. Because it's a luminous sleep. It's much better to read Life Divine without notes and sleep than not read it at all. So, Life Divine can literally take us into that state of Susupti. And that's why after that 10-15 minutes of sleep, when we come out, we feel so rejuvenated. Because it's a state of delight. Only we do not carry anything outward. So, you know, this is what is called a Samadhi. But this is not enough. This is the Almighty. This is the Omniscient. This is the inner soul. This is the womb of the universe. This is the birth and destruction of creatures. He who is neither inward wise, nor outward wise, nor both inward and outward wise, nor wisdom self-gathered, nor possessed of wisdom, nor unpossessed of wisdom. Any qualification will finish it. Shivabindo says that in his poem in, on Parabrahman. He is, we cannot say, nor he is not. For nothing too is a conception of himself unguessed. Both time and timelessness sink in that sea. Time becomes a wave, space a wandering drop. So that's the other, you know, in other place he says in uh, Savitri, being and non-being rushing into each other's arms. So, 
unseizable, incommunicable, featureless, unthinkable and unnameable. That's what mother made it so simple in the morning. Without speaking of all this, she says, all that human mind has never conceived of. So she is not using such technical words, but she is revealing to us in a language we can comprehend. Whose essentiality is awareness of the self in its single existence, in whom all phenomena dissolve, who is calm, who is good, who is the one than whom there is no other. Him they deem the fourth, he is the self, he is the object of knowledge. Now you see again we are going to that whole Vedantic process. He is the object of knowledge. So uh, what it means is that if you think the waking knowledge is all, then you are mistaken. So when you discard it, you enter into subtle realms of knowledge. Visions, voices, gods, demons, angels, all kinds of experiences that come. You may remain there and believe that is the final. No, you discard it. Then you enter into a state of trance, a state of superconscious sleep. You go past that and then you discover that state which is all extending, which you cannot define, cannot describe. No, it cannot be done just like that. It's a you know meditation and reflection constantly that leads to this state. Its imitations can be achieved, but the real state is something very deep. Now this, the self, as to the imperishable word, is Om. And as to the letters, his parts are the letters, and the letters are his parts, namely A, O, M. So that's how it becomes. A is the outgoing consciousness. So consciousness is expanding from that point zero to infinity. Ah, so it's opening of the mouth. Then O is circling everything and holding it within. You know, uh, everything is surrounded by that. Then mm, is the return back. So that's how the whole cycle of waking, uh, s- uh, dreaming, and the sleep and that word which holds all these three together is Om. The waker, Vaishwanar, then it elaborates, the universal male, he is A, the first letter, because of initiality and pervasiveness. He that knoweth him for such pervadeth and attaineth all his desires, he becomes the source and first. So everywhere this consciousness is spread out, so it is all pervading. The dreamer, Taijasa, the inhabitant, is luminous mind. He is U, the second letter, because of advance and centrality. He that knoweth him for such, advanceth the bounds of his knowledge and riseth above difference. Nor of his seed is any born that knoweth not the eternal. So first is to know that he expresses himself and reaches out to everything. Second knowledge is he is in everything, so centrality. The central element of everything is that. And then the sleeper, Pragya, the Lord of Wisdom, he is M, Ma. The third letter, because of measure and finality, that is how the word comes Maya, Matra, Mata, all this born from the letter M. It limits, brings back, puts things in parts. So measures and finality, both aspects are there. So Maya is, on one side it measures, on the other side it also leads you towards that truth. He that knoweth him for such measureth with himself the universe and becometh the departure into the eternal. Letterless is the fourth, (laughs) the incommunicable. The end of phenomenon, the good, the one than whom there is no other. Thus is Om, he that knoweth is the self and entereth by his self into the self, he that knoweth, he that knoweth. Ya Eva Veda, Ya Eva Veda. Such a short Upanishad, all centered around Om. Shubhindu, yeah, that's it. Upanishad ends here. He instructed us about fourth letter. 
<laughs> now, you see, now the interesting part. Look at Shurabindo's. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's what I'm going to say. The fourth letter. Yeah. Savitri has everything. It has the fourth letter also. <laughs> see, only Shurabindo's master, the master of master poets, can do this magic. Yes. That he can speak about the ineffable. So without the letter, he will say what is it, what it does, what is that fourth letter and what it does. No, no, it's fine. No, this is the secret knowledge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got it. So first he speaks about the most important letter, if it's not brought in, then all the rest is inconsequential. Now look at this. We have to read a little from here. As if an unintelligible phrase suggested a million renderings to the mind, it lends a purport to a random world, a conjecture leaning upon doubtful proofs, a message misunderstood, a thought confused, missing its same is all that it can speak or a fragment of the universal word. And he goes on, it leaves two giant letters void of sense, while without sanction turns the middle sign carrying an enigmatic universe as if a present without future or past repeating the same revolution's world turned on its axis in its own inane. Now you see how Om cryptically carries the beginning and the close. So the past, uh, the present, ooh, the end, everything going towards its finality. So past, present, future. Now but what is the next? This is our deepest need to join once more what now is parted opposite and twain. Remote in sovereign spheres that never meet or fronting like the poles of night and day, we must fill the immense lacuna we have made, reved the closed finites Lonely consonant with the open vowels of infinity. Just think about it. What is the vowel of infinity? It goes beyond grammar. Yeah. Rewind. A hyphen must connect matter and mind. The narrow isthmus of the ascending soul. We must renew the secret bond in things. Our hearts recall the lost divine idea, reconstitute the perfect word, unite the Alpha and the Omega in one sound, then shall the spirit and nature be at one. Incredible. Incredible. He doesn't say which letter, <laughs> but he brings them all together in just some magical mysterious lines. That's why this word is so important because it gives the highest secret. The we, highest secret is not this or that, but this and that and all else that is beyond. Reconstitute. Reconstitute. Reconstitute the perfect word. Reconstitute is return. I mean, restoring something which exists. Yeah, yeah, which exists. Obviously, it exists. And Purusha and Prakriti, how beautiful mm. he is. No? Something from that we'll read. This is another, you know, Sherbindo's Vedanta. All here, we read Ishupanishad. Isha Vasyam Idam Sarvam Yat Kincha Jagatyam Jagat. Now see how Sherbindo writes it. This reveals the same truth. All here, 
where each thing seems its lonely self are figures of the sole transcendent one only by him they are his breath is their life you know his breath is their life is that third shloka that we read matrishwa dadati in him he holds that holds the waters so it is his breath that has gone into everything and created life that is the exactly the ishupanishad that third shloka an unseen presence molds the oblivious clay and here he brings that vedantic and tantric vision together a playmate in the mighty mother's game one came upon the dubious whirling globe to hide from a pursuit in force and form and then he uses a marvelous line accomplice of a cosmic huge pretense so she has created all kinds of objects he identifies with it and says oh i am ignorant i am meaning i am useless <laughs> i am dark i am inert accomplice he plays the game in her terms binds himself to her because thus alone can the journey be completed his semblances he turns to real shapes she is trying to create replica semblances he by inhabiting it turns them to real shapes and makes the symbol equal with the truth that's why people talk about maya and getting rid it's not shubindu reminds us you cannot get rid of maya because it is his maya you can get rid of moha because moha is the ignorant attachment but it is his maya he has sanctioned the game he has sanctioned to make the symbol equal to the truth see like you know when people love their mother father they are symbols but look how powerful it is makes the symbol equal to the truth people go to that extent of saying you know matridevo bhava pitridevo bhava mother is like god father is like god a typical example he is the substance he the self of things she has forced from him her works of skill and might she wraps him in the magic of her moods and makes of his myriad truths her countless dreams he is the maker and the world he made he is the wisdom he is the vision and he is the seer he is himself the actor and the act he is himself the knower and the known he is himself the dreamer and the dream we read about chatushpad brahman that is all this there are two who are one and play in many worlds in knowledge and ignorance they have spoken and met and light and darkness are their eyes interchange are pleasure and pain are their wrestle and embrace they are married secretly in our thought and life the universe is an endless masquerade for nothing here is utterly what it seems it is a dream fact vision of a truth which but for the dream would not be wholly true you have collected poems if you just open that i am feeling tempted to read something from that mm. but till that if we can have some questions i'd like you to speak a bit about hiranyagarbha we read from this because shobinder is directly in savitri <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah not poem first savitri since he actually i was thinking oh, of reading it i see but not for hiranyagarbha's sake uh-huh. but because of the grand vision that accompanies yes, yes. so i'm so happy you just said will you <laughs> this is a oh. i just thought while i was reading oh that passage also yes yes and there it comes great the golden womb of things
you know we have vision of the divine in the Gita but this is something amazing and this is the beauty you know that's why the beauty of Sharbindu's writings particularly Savitri he makes it accessible to us so for me this is itself an experience when you read Sharbindu and read Savitri communicates and Sharbindu has said that was the original sense of the word poet in the Indian thought he was a maker of forms so he brought those things which are not accessible to our gross vision close to our um, senses that's what the poet does poet goes into his own world he experiences something which is subtle and he puts it through a body of words and a rhythmic sense before our eyes so that which is beyond our conception comes close to us so that way he gives us the touch of the eternal this is the way and that's why Savitri doesn't matter if one understands or not he brings us close it's amazing I just thought about reading this passage and hear you of all the things Hirandigarbha <laughs> I mean <laughs> ah. in him the fourfold being bore its crown Incidentally, I also wanted to read this passage in New Jersey Center. You know, when we talked about the Vedic vision, where the fourfold powers, the four guardians of the supramental doors. So here, Shobindo now takes us to that. In him, the fourfold being bore its crown that wears the mystery of a nameless name. The fourfold being is right, you know, all levels but here he wears a crown the universe writing its tremendous sense in the inexhaustible meaning of a word we come back to home so we read about the Chatushpad Brahman and how there in him he wears the crown so all this is the divine the outer the the subtle the subtlest and what is beyond all is the divine but where is the crown there is the crown and this is the feet. That's why it's called in one of the ancient scriptures, Padabhyam Prithvi. The earth is his footing. And where is the crown? The supramental. So that's why it is. And again the word comes. In him the architect of the visible world, at once the art and artist of his works, spirit and seer and thinker of things seen, Virat, who lights his campfires in the suns and the star entangled ether in his hold. So you see, every time we look at the night sky, Mother gave this as one of the meditations. She was asked how to make the consciousness vast. So this is one of the methods she gave. Why? Because this is an outermost expression of the hidden divinity. That's why even now, when you see those images of galaxy and all that, it has a tremendous power upon the being. So yes. we can use this image also either inwardly or actually looking at the stars if there are any left. <laughs> so when we look at the stars and even morning we read that image, you know, drifting in space billions of years away. So we can experience that aspect. And that is called Virat. And look how Shubindu describes lights. who lights his camp fires in the suns and the star entangled ether is his hold expressed himself with matter for his speech that's where the Veda is written speech what a speech with matter for his speech it's like unintelligible and yet it holds the secret within it that's why unlocking the mystery of matter the Vedas are there so objects are his letters <laughs> this is the grammar of the infinite you can't limit him to 26 or 52. Objects are his letters. Savitri. No, no, I understand. I mean, which canto? Last. 11. Book 11. 11. Book 11. Forces are his words. Now the context is that death has been perished. But when he gets transformed, then behind the mask, oh, this was the one who had worn this mask. That is how. So who is this one? That is being described. Events are the crowded history of his life. 
and sea and land are the pages for his tale. Matter is his means and his spiritual sign. This part is straight summary of Brihadaranyakubnishad. It describes it as a huge horse, Ashwamedhya and the universe is a cosmic horse and this is his mouth, this is his hind, this is his tail, these rivers and lakes are his, you know, leavings. It describes, it's a gory image actually, if you really yeah. don't get it, it's a very gory image. So, Shrivinda is giving us a distilled image, more suited to us, otherwise you say, what is this? If you read Brihadana Kupinas, sometimes, you know, it is the horse and, you know, how it manifests time. So, it's, it's here he says uh, the same, it's the image of the cosmos, where the whole cosmos is nothing but an expression of the divine. He hangs the thought upon a lash, lashes lift in the current of the blood makes flow the soul. That's an incredible line. Incredible line. In the current of the blood makes flow the soul. Now you see it has very many ramifications. You know, where is the seat of the soul? Here. And where is the central point from which there are pulsations for blood? Here. This is actually literally true. So you will see that when something is said which you feel deviates from truth, deviates from good, deviates from beautiful, you feel an emotion rising here in your heart. Actually its origin is deep inside in the psychic. But it, the, the heart as the organ being closest and the emotional being being closest, it enters into that and flows into the blood. So the blood begins to, it has many ramifications even in experience. Sometimes when the force descends or the heart center opens, it can create pulsations. It can create all kinds of things. And that's why many people have this very interesting thing. By learning to handle the heart, you can learn to manage a lot of diseases. You know why? You see, we talk about, we are a little bit deviating, but it's very interesting how Shivindu's each line. See, um, you know, um, we have this concept of time. So outwardly, how do you measure time? By events. So the most micro event is the event taking place at the atomic level. So the atomic clocks are the one which are most accurate. Right? Then you have other way of events like morning, evening. This is also time. What time is it? It's afternoon. Again, event. Sun's relation to the earth. Now, how does the body record time? How does the body know things? You know, there is a time in the body. There is time when you feel hungry. And you know, that's why we experience jet lag, all these things. Where is, how is the biological clock functions? The biological clock functions through the beatings of the heart. Tuck, 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 tuck. Body is registering every beat. So, if the beating is fast, tuck, 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 tuck. So, the body rhythms are getting altered. And that's why slowing down the heart through deep breathing was one of the ways discovered by the mystic to prolong life. See, it's very fascinating and it's connected to the soul force. So when the soul expresses itself and flows through the blood and there is another um, gory side to it, but so true, you know, of all the meats, which is the most tastiest meat, animals know it, human meat. It's a fact. If they taste it, they never want to go back to something else. And you know the reason? The reason is, one of the reasons which mystics speak about is because it has in it the sweetness of the soul. And that's why it is an attraction for many of these beings because that has an attraction. It's a gory, but it's a truth of another mm. fact. So they are attracted towards it because it is a way that sweetness of the soul is in it. But obviously, you know, uh, I mean, uh, it's not something, it's nice, but the Rakshasas want it because this is the only way they can get something of the soul's touch which they desperately want because they are outward looking. So in ancient time when you see the Rakshasas looking for particularly targeting the sages <laughs> because evolved beings have greater sweetness in the very 
So Sharmindo reveals one line. This is just an example, you know, how deep it can go and how practical it can be. <laughs> In the current of the blood makes flow the soul. The substance of the soul flows into the blood. And that also means, you see, it is through the blood that the disorders go, through the blood that order can come back. So if you want to recreate harmony in the system, invoke, get deep inside as far as possible, as close as possible to the soul and just draw it out and let it flow through the heart into all the veins, nerves. One of the ways. The other ways, more direct ways, but because it is accessible, the first healer, the inner healer, and you can literally call and mother gives a method whenever your heart beats fast, you take deep breaths and say, quiet, quiet, no need to get upset, be quiet, be quiet. Because, and that's why excitement is toxic to the nerves and the body. Excitement means tuck, 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 so you are cutting your life. So a life of perpetual excitement like nightclubs, cigarettes, caffeine, soda is a life which is fast gravitating towards death. You see how it has very practical ramifications at every level. <laughs> so I wanted to say one thing about the story hmm. about Amal hmm. and the psychic being. Yeah, yeah, this is a very good story. Huh? Yes, please. He writes to Mother, and you may amplify it, and he says, Mother, this throbbing, it's painful. And Mother says, yes, I know about it. It'll go. <laughs> that awakening of the psychic one feels that throbbing can be he painful. had that uh, our Kapali Shastri whole uh, mm -hmm. red his whole this part had become red yeah that kind of concentration yeah and uh, Amal Kiran that other story I was also reminded of where he took three times that lethal dose of this uh. drug amphetamines mm -hmm. and uh, it was by mistake not for mm -hmm. anything and then obviously it would kill anybody and he started you know that this is my final moments at that point he called the mother through this door and obviously that flows and he was saved and all that is of course you know of course he was saved <laughs> okay his is the dumb will of atom and of clod a will that without sense or motive acts <laughs> and intelligence Needing not to think or plan, the world creates itself invincibly, for its body is the body of the Lord. Now this again, Sri was asked about uh, perfection, imperfection. He says, if you go by outwardly, if you look at people and say, because outer being is imperfect, therefore the person is imperfect, then God himself would be imperfect, because his outer body, which is the universe, is imperfect. It is the outer body. So this is the outer body. And in his and in its heart stands Virat, king of kings. And now comes the Hiranagarya. In him shadows his form the golden child, who in the sun-capped vast cradles his birth. Hiranagarb, author of thoughts and dreams who sees the invisible and hears the sounds that never visited a mortal ear. So ultimately through this Virat, this physical universe, where is it emerged from? It has another origin and that origin is the golden womb of all things. That's how it is described. Yeah, I thought you are, you know, taking out this for the light. <laughs> Thank you. But uh -huh. with Savitri it works because my mind can substitute wherever. <laughs> I mean, it remembers. But so beautiful. So Hiranikarb, it is the golden womb of all things. The prayer in the Ishupanishad. Hiran mayena patrena satya syapihitam mukham tattvam pushanna pavranu satya dharmaya drishtaye. The face of truth is covered with a golden lid. That remove, O fosterer, for the law, for the truth, for the law of truth. So he wants to know. So Hiranagar. So he is the author of thoughts and dreams who sees so everything, who sees the invisible and hears the sounds that never visited a mortal ear. These are not sounds which are ever 
can be created by any uh, as they say um, striking of two forces it is a sound which exists in itself discoverer of unthought realities truer to truth than all we have ever known he is the leader on the inner roads so this is the supramental sun who leads the journey of creation because creation has emerged from him is seer he has entered the forbidden realms how by his sight suryo yatha sarvalokasya chakshu nalipyate chakshushe bahye dosha or another phrase from katopanishad agnir yatheko bhuvnam pravishto rupam rupam pratirupo bahuvo so he has entered into all these realms by lending his sight that is why the gita says everything no when we say everything is done is it done by the divine in the final analysis yes but again a subtle truth which can be misunderstood it is the same power even you lift your hand it's with the same power you kill somebody it's the same power but you can't you know say that divine is doing it it is the power which at one level is being used misused or you know for evolutionary purposes he builds a magician with the omnipotent wand of thought he builds the secret uncreated world here thought is not human thought is only um, faint reflection and shadow of what thought really means in the spirit of the upanishad and the vedas thought is not um, um, what we the way we can see oh i thought like this a body of words thought in the original sense is a vehicle for consciousness to parcel the infinite into bits and parts that is the original function of thought so that's why we often find in the upanishad by the power of thought he broke the caves now what is that thought it is not just this thought his thought went to that extent that instead of being a power of division became a power of oneness and by that power of thought he broke open the uh, dark caves he builds the secret look at this line he builds the secret uncreated worlds so there are created worlds and there are uncreated worlds they exist forever what it means is that there are realms the triple realms of mind life and body they are created and therefore they can dissolve whatever is created will have a term and death pralaya but there are worlds which are uncreated they are existent from the very beginning they are beginning less and therefore they are endless they don't get dissolved the golok and you know the realm of krishna and you know vaishnava cult describes many satlok tapolok they are uncreated worlds but look at now what mother is saying look at the uh, extent of her work so when she says this world will escape pralaya because of supramental you know what she is doing she is turning a created world into the likeness of an uncreated world can you imagine what it means and it is only possible to do do that why these uncreated worlds don't uh, are not subject to dissolution because the rhythms of those worlds are in perfect attunement to the movement of the infinite here it is not that's why we are children as we grow we become more and more encrusted and again die so mother says that the secret of immortality in the physical she speaks of deathless state and of immortality so the secret of immortality in the physical is when the body can follow the rhythms of the universal self so you know how everything uncreated worlds look at each line armed with the golden speech now that is also there is a speech like just as there is our human speech there is a divine speech paravak and you know when we hear tathastu so be it so what that speech does entire cosmos obeys it and readjusts itself because it's the original power of speech and that speech is the creative creatrix power of all things that's how upanishad say by speech the worlds were created in the bible it is said god said let there be light and there was light this is the deeper sense of it that is the golden speech armed with the golden speech 
the diamond eye his is the vision and the prophecy so at once he knows all past present and future time imagist casting the formless into shape traveler and hewer of the unseen paths he is the carrier of the hidden fire so this fire that is born in the human hearts and in everything where is its origin there is a fire at the apex of the worlds from there it has come out emerge and enter into the heart of things to evolve them he is the voice of the ineffable <laughs> what an expression he is the voice of the ineffable he is the invisible hunter of the light so look at its practical application we seek the divine that is our view we seek the master our view from that wherever little light is shining he seeks it hunter of the is the invisible hunter latches on to this and the soul is helplessly turned towards the divine because he has chosen look at and how much hope it gives he is the hunter <laughs> why should he hunt for light in this world of darkness he knows where this fire is burning and latches on pulls and then we say ah i feel an aspiration the invisible hunter invisible hunter of the light that's why the angel of mysterious ecstasies there are seven ecstasies that we know of mystics can experience in the human body but there are other ecstasies which are beyond our experience the conqueror of the kingdoms of the soul now you see who says that super super mind cannot be understood look he has created it for us so beautifully so close to us and then of course beyond the supramental or one with it but right behind it is the sachidananda that super conscient light the third spirit stood behind their hidden cause in mass of super conscience closed in light creator of things in his all knowing sleep pragya that you know that sachidananda brahma all from his stillness came as grows a tree he is our seed and core our head and base so mother said sachidananda is everywhere so you can jump from any level to that it is he is there in everything and everywhere all light is but a flash from his closed eyes and all wise truth is mystic in his heart the omniscient rays shut behind his lids so what would happen if he opens his eyes this is the third eye of shiva that's how it is imaged that there is a wisdom there is a power which is held back by the divine consciousness this is what it means why because it is too powerful and destructive it can demolish a whole universe so he holds it back so it is the light which is held behind his closed eyes look at the expression mother speaks of this experience uh, in a different way that how the same truth which is above is lying in the cave the first avatar she speaks of and how when she goes there this being who is lying closing his eyes and creating the universe when mother goes there suddenly he opens his eyes so you can imagine why won't tsunamis earthquakes arrive in the outer and inner life of humanity when shubhendu was asked that this increasing number of catastrophe is it because of bad karma and all he said no it has been happening in nature but it is the same phenomena in human life we see upheavals you see in nature because suddenly we hear in our stories that shiva opened the eye and kama got destroyed so he became bodiless actually he evolved to his true level he became impersonal inhabiting all things so imagine when that super conscient opens his eyes he is the wisdom that comes not by thought nayamatma pravachane namedana bahuna shutin he is the wisdom that comes not by thought his wordless silence brings the immortal word he sleeps in the atom and the burning star 
he sleeps in man and god and beast and stone because he is there the inconscient does its work because he is there the world forgets to die yeah. <laughs> i mean we just live with this sense that we are not going to die because he is there he is the center of the circle of god he the circumference of nature's run his slumber is an almightiness in things awake he is the eternal and supreme is there something beyond it well shobindo says sachidanand is shadowed forth out of parbrahman for the sake of the play but of parbrahman you cannot see anything so look above was the brooding bliss of the infinite its omniscient and omnipotent repose its immobile silence absolute and alone now the vishudarshan of all these together in that grand you can't even say cosmic deity because the supreme mother speaks of the vision of the supreme so this is now the supreme she has taken us she has taken us right there all powers were woven in countless concords here the bliss that made the world in his body lived love and delight were the head of the sweet form in the alluring meshes of their snare recaptured the proud blissful members held all joys outrunners of the panting heart rushing to greet him rushing to meet him oh, rushing to find him rushing to hold him and losing him so look how he captures it all joys outrunners of the panting heart and fugitive from life's outstripped desire whatever vision has escaped the eye whatever happiness comes in dream and trance the nectar spilled by love with trembling hands the joy the cup of nature cannot hold at crowded in the beauty of his face were waiting in the honey of his laugh things hidden by the silence of the hours the ideas that find no voice on living lips now when shivinder speaks about these ideas that find no voice look what he describes the souls pregnant meeting with infinity that is the rapturous experience and you know shivinder in thoughts and aphorism how beautifully has put it to commit this world was perfectly created <laughs> to commit adultery with god how beautiful and that experience is something tremendous the souls pregnant meeting with infinity so when it meets the infinite what happens new possibilities are born so that's why it is pregnant the moment it meets it doesn't annul there are new possibilities had come to birth in him and taken fire the secret whisper of the flower and star revealed its meaning in his fathomless look as you were saying mother yeah. looking at flowers giving yeah. their names his lips curved eloquent like a rose of dawn his smile now look at this line his smile that played with the wonder of the mind and stayed in the heart when it had left his mouth <laughs> who can describe this glimmered with the radiance of the morning star gemming the wide discovery of heaven his gaze was the regard of eternity the spirits the spirit of its sweet and calm intent was a wise home of gladness and divulged the light of the ages in the mirth of the hours he was playing like a child mirthful joyful and in that play what did he reveal the light of the ages yeah. what marvelous you know vision of baby krishna playing and in that play <laughs> a son of wisdom in a miracle grew in the orchestral largeness of his mind 
all contrary seekings their close kinship knew mother writes this in uh, notes on the way in the agenda she keeps telling him that all these opposites unite in the divine then she says uh, separate uh, separateness and unity then she says evil and good and then naturally she realizes that disciple will get confused that you know divine mein sab kuch hai to you can do anything then she says adds as if later on you know my child in that consciousness evil and good unite but they both change their form they become different good is no more this good as we understand here and evil also gets transformed in that orchestral largeness of his mind rich hearted wonderful to each other met in the mutual marveling of their myriad nodes and dwelt like brothers of one family all the different seekings different paths they all met in the orchestral largeness of his mind who had found their common and mysterious home as from a from the harp of some ecstatic god there springs a harmony of lyric bliss striving to live no heavenly joy unsung such was the life in that embodied light now we can pictureize your window in the embodied form he seemed the wideness of a boundless sky he seemed the passion of a sorrowless earth he seemed the burning of a world wide sun two looked upon each other soul saw soul Hmm. Even before that, there was his gaze. That was the regard of eternity. Sure, we know. His gaze was the regard of eternity. Yes. The soul's pregnant meeting with infinity. Yes. Uh-huh.